I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, January 28, 2020. We are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket? What jumps off the page that we can see as clear as it can be? Couple of things. First, we want to mention that we have Kabuki Theater up tomorrow afternoon. Wednesday afternoon is the Fed announcement. So we have that. We know the routine. The market has a tendency to become very quiet leading up to the Fed announcement in the afternoon. Maybe it whips around in the morning. We get a little bit of the morning rush and then it will tend to go to sleep leading up to the Fed announcement around 2 p.m. Then we get the EKG market, then it picks a direction and goes from there. Now, what's jumping off the page right here? Couple of things. Number one is where the low of the day happened to be today. The important 323.84, look where we closed yesterday. Look where the low of the day was today. We ricocheted off that price and traded higher. It's interesting. It's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. What else do we have? We have a gap that needs to get filled just above price. We didn't get there today. We got close, not close enough. The gap happens to come in at 328.77. Therefore, today's high comes up short, 327.85, basically a buck short, about 10 S&P handles. Today, they closed right on top of the 20-period moving average. Let's discuss the 20 for a moment. This was noted inside the numbers during the trading day. So the market never likes to get too far away from home base. But at times, it does get far away from home base. Then it tends to come back to home base. What's home base? The 20-period moving average. So over the last couple of days, all of a sudden, the market was above. And then it was below the 20-period moving average. Here we are settling right back to home base. Home base is almost like the safe house. So the market snapped back to the safe house. It's not bullish. It's not bearish. It just is what it is. The gap above likely will be filled. If it's not filled and they turn back down, that's extremely bearish. It would be normal garden variety market behavior to at least get another push higher to fill the gap. Is the gap all that there has to be on the upside? No, they can certainly go higher. Remember, once we're above the 20-period moving average, there's nothing wrong anymore. They're above all the moving averages. The band plays on. They're in an uptrend. There's nothing technically wrong with the market. That would be the scenario every day they continue to close above the 20-period moving average. We have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. From where I sit, what's the likely scenario? That we make new highs or that we don't make new highs? Here's the deal. And here's how we're going to gauge what's happening in the market. If they make new highs from where I sit, that would be in the 20% of the 80-20 rule. Therefore, you're going to end up seeing, if that did happen, a nice vacuum to the upside hop on board. Not all in one day type of thing. We'll talk about it if it happens But keep that in the back of your mind as a just-in-caser. Now, getting back to the 80-20 rule, 80%, meaning from where I sit, this should have been 
leg one of a multi-leg downturn in the market that is not supposed to be a three to five day pullback setting the table for new highs. That's what's not supposed to happen, but we have to have an awareness that we always expect the unexpected in the back of our mind. We're not going to be surprised if something whacked out happens. Was there institutional conviction buying today at any point in time? Well, for that, we simply look down to the volume and we find out that we're right on top of the 90-day average volume, about 60 million shares. The last couple of days when the market dropped, we had significantly more volume. More volume on the way down, less volume on the way up, institutional participation on the way down, not so much on the way back up. Doesn't mean we can't go higher, just stating what's on the chart. About a short hop and an intermission as I'm making the video, I see Apple release their earnings, I see the stock moving, so we can watch it for a moment and figure out where's Apple going to go if it continues higher. It's obviously in an uptrend, but where is the next place that's the logical area of, and I hate to use the term in this case, overhead resistance, because how do you know where the overhead resistance is at new highs? Right now, Apple is trading basically at a new high. The old high made the other day was 323.33, and you can see where Apple is trading right around that price as we make this video. Okay, wanted to just incorporate a little bit of a short hop. Nothing new to add with Apple. Let's get back to business. Not so fast, another little short hop. Apple's on the move. 3.30 is certainly possible. Look at this thing moving. It's just the next semi-fat round number. It's not really a fat round number. It's just a round number. Okay, now back to business. We don't want to waste precious time with stuff we can't do anything about. How do we think Apple should impact markets tomorrow? Well, if Apple stays up, you can count on the NASDAQ being up. And across the board, I would suggest that it certainly can be a helping hand. Maybe it can help the SPY get to do what? Fill the gap. See how this all ties together? They're all puzzle pieces. They all snap together. They all make a picture. Small pictures equal a larger picture. A few larger pictures equal a nice big juicy picture. Also, folks that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader will notice something else happened today. They'll notice a particular area that the market found resistance at. This is certainly a module within the course. And when you run the numbers, it actually did the thing just about to the penny. So just like anything else, the market goes in stages. It's one step at a time. First, it has to do certain things, achieve certain resistance areas. If it can get above and stay above said resistance areas, they become support and we look to the next resistance area up above. If it can't stay above what is or what is going to be a resistance area, then it was resistance, the market gets rejected and we look down to the next support. That's the way the market works. We take it one price at a time. Now, the fascinating thing is you can take one price at a time from a larger picture chart, from a weekly chart, from a daily chart, and we can get different prices from different charts which help us with our intraday trading activity 
come up with all the variety of support and resistance, also known as important numbers. How do we do all this? All this is taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. I mentioned inside the numbers a couple of times. Let's take a peek at what we were discussing inside the numbers first thing in the morning. Focus in on, guess what number is still important? Right, ES3253. That's the S&P E-Mini futures contract. Until and unless the bull market participants can get price over and above on hourly closes, still no dice. Now at the time, the pre-market futures were trading higher, but were already focused on this number. That's going to come back around in a moment. Let's take a peek at what else was said inside the numbers in the pre-market notes. And then we'll scroll upward and we'll see what happened as the trading day gets underway. As the morning rolls on, you'll see what was being discussed inside the numbers. The market is fluid. We're focused on 32.53. Pay attention and read the notes and see how the market unfolds in and around 32.53. And around 10 o'clock in the morning, we're pretty sure they held the number. It was an important number yesterday. It was an important number yet again today. We do this over and over and over again. You see here a lot of times in these videos, even from a daily chart and larger perspective, we zero in on an important number and we're able to take advantage as the market trades in and around that number, treating the number as a pivot. So let's just scroll up and you can start and stop the video anytime you like. You can read the notes at your leisure. I just want you to see what was on the board. We had some after 11.05. I had cut short the page. So we continue throughout the trading day and then it started to lighten out as the market was basically in grind higher mode. It was in grind higher mode until that point in which it came to that natural area of overhead resistance and then it had a mild pullback in the afternoon. But that's all it is, is a pullback. It wasn't really a rejection. It was just a pullback. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, something very interesting. And you know what I believe. There are no accidents, no coincidences with the market. When things happen to the penny, they happen to the penny for a reason. Because that's the way it just is. That's the way they wanted it to be. Who is they? Whoever it is that controls the final number. It's certainly not me. But here's the deal. So there's a couple of things going on with the IWM. The same gap that we were just discussing in the SPY is here in the IWM. So the gap happens to be at 165.39. What's the high of the day today? 165.40. Accident or coincidence? I think not. So it's an interesting question. Is the IWM ahead of the spider? Meaning, is it leading to the upside? Or did it just fill the gap? But is it essentially still lagging as the SPY finished up about 1.2%? The IWM was up less than 1%. So they fill the gap before the SPY, but they're still lagging in terms of velocity to the upside or momentum to the upside. Interesting. I think that warrants a couple of puzzle pieces that are on the table. Here's another puzzle piece for you. Where are we in relation to the 20-period moving average in the IWM as compared and contrasted to the SPY? You can see 
We're below the 20-period moving average in the IWM. We just discussed being on top of it in the SPY. These are all puzzle pieces. The market's always trying to tell us something. The job of the analyst is really to read the language of the market. It's got its own thing going on. So here's the summary interpretation of the IWM. It's weak. It's already met the objective of the 50-period moving average, closing below it one time, snapping back today, now in between the 20 and the 50. But it's leading to the downside, meaning it got down quicker than the other markets. That's what normally happens. That's why it's my favorite market-leading indicator. The fact that it filled the gap early or before the SPY, I'm not considering that a bullish development. I'm just saying the IWM was leading on the downside, We're getting a couple of dead cat bounces across the market. That's it. That's the interpretation. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's move along. What's going on over in the transportation department? Now, I know I forgot this last night, so my bad. But what do we have here? What we have is another market that is my second favorite market leading indicator. And again, it was lagging the SPY. Of note, puzzle piece on the table. And by the way, sometimes one plus one doesn't always equal two. A lot of the time when we have the IWM leading to the downside, the transports leading to the downside, or both lagging the market, depending on the interpretation, just using a hypothetical situation. Sometimes when both these markets are doing the same thing and they're trying to tell us something about what's going on in the bigger picture, sometimes One and one makes three. This market is below the 20-period moving average, below the 50-period moving average, and was only supported by a pivot low over here, now beginning to ride in between the 50, but just up above the 100-period moving average. The transports is the weakest market of the bunch. Let's not forget, the transports is my favorite canary in the coal mine the cues what's going on in silicon valley with the tech space well it looks much like the spy headed for the gap didn't fill the gap got close it's really much of the same story the only difference here is the market meaning the cues is stronger than the spy so the takeaway is we're well above the 20 period moving average we basically made a low today on the 20 period moving average and took off from there, headed to the gap. So this market, while isn't necessarily my favorite market-leading indicator, we do have to take note that it is a proxy for the tech space. The problem here is it's top-heavy. What's it top-heavy in? All the big tech names, all the big stocks. That's why it continues to drive higher. Everybody and their brother, mother, sister, and cousin own the big tech names. When everybody runs for the exit at the same time, it'll be like shoving 10 pounds of shit in a 5-pound bag. But right now, they're still holding all the moving averages, still in an uptrend, until they're not. How about the XLF? Again, an interesting scenario. There's only about one person on the planet, plus anybody else that I would have told, what an important number is on the chart, and then we look at the closing price of $30.27 and we say accident or coincidence a recapture of a breakup candle low or just a coincidence I don't know time will tell 
It seems to me there are no coincidences. It seems to me that if we can recapture or they can recapture the 50 period moving average in the XLF, they can get something cooking again to the upside. Until and unless that happens, it was basically fill the gap and until we see more, there is nothing more to see. I think the close is interesting. They had an opportunity, by the way, to close anywhere they wanted. anywhere they wanted. They chose above an important number at $0.27. What's the important number? The breakup candle low at $30.25. That was basically held last week, closed below yesterday, one-shot wonder right back today. Interesting scenario, puzzle piece on the table. How about good old Smash Mouth? SMH was crushed yesterday and had a snapback today. It was a garden variety retracement of the move from yesterday. However, same routine. We can't help but notice what jumps out at the chart at me or us, which is a close right back above the 20 period moving average. We're right back into there's nothing wrong with the chart. It's in an uptrend. They went right back into a former breakout area. We also want to take notice a couple of things. Tremendous volume spike yesterday as compared to most every other day. Not all days, but most every other day. It was really a pretty good spike in percentage terms. So we have to take note of that. On the snapback today, it was average volume. Okay, but here's the other thing. Look how far the SMH is away from its gap. Are they going to have another tremendous day and go fill the gap? Or will they ultimately come up short showing really bearish behavior? That's projecting. It's hypothesizing. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm just saying we have to be pre-prepared. If, in fact, we get to the point where we see the market turn around and the SMH has not filled its gap, watch out. That would be a market tell. We don't know that that will happen. They could fill the gap first thing in the morning. What if we look at some of the big tech names that we mentioned before and see where they are on their daily charts relative to everything else we just discussed? Amazon, interestingly enough, almost filled its gap, but here's the issue. And I wouldn't call it an issue, but I just did. But here's the thing. Here's a breakup candle low. That low happens to be... $17.99, we'll just call it $1,800. Then you have a gap below that. But look what happened. We were making like a bull flaggish pattern that broke down, but the breakup candle low was never even reached nor given way to. So therefore, this bullish pattern, while it's not a flag pattern any longer, this bullish pattern is still essentially intact. It's a little bit of a slop fest, but it is what it is. What's going on over in Apple? So Apple did make a spike up. Did they get to 330? They got to 327.90. I think that's what that was. Yep, 327.90, and they're pulling back. So we'll see what happens tomorrow with Apple. Anything goes. You can wake up. It could be 340. You can wake up. It can be 310 or any other number for that matter. Facebook, a little bit ahead of the curve. We're comparing to the gap, the moving averages. So Facebook is essentially regain the 20 period moving average filled the gap it's in an uptrend nothing technically wrong with facebook umpire calling balls and strikes netflix had that tremendous move in an uptrend high on the chart 
nothing technically wrong with Netflix. Google, on the other hand, telling a different tale. So Google, you can see high on the chart relative to the moving averages, meaning still in the uptrend, but look what happened over the last few days. That's indicative, or at least more indicative, of a top than we've seen in some of the other charts that we just looked through. So Google is not close to filling the gap yet. More similar to the SMH than anything else that we've seen. Pretty good sharp decline into its 20-period moving average. The weekly close will be important for Google as we look at the weekly chart. We can make a case that was a reversal or a topping signal on the weekly chart last week. Now, from a weekly chart perspective, we're still holding the most recent breakup candle low. So technically speaking, it's really nothing wrong with Google on the weekly chart. So we need more information. We'll see. And by the way, look how far away it is from its 20-week moving average. So there's a lot of things that actually conflict with each other on the Google chart. That's what happens in live TV. You get live chart analysis. I'm giving you what I'm seeing at present. I didn't review the Google chart before I turned on the video. So what do you get? You get inside my head, which is what? A dangerous place to be. Have I mentioned how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. This is a great place to pull the ripcord for today. I will do that. It was everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.